Well, I want to give you the update on the lost luggage situation, and I need to tell you that my estimation of Alaska Airways lost luggage department has done a fairly abrupt about-face. They get full marks for follow-through, at least so far. We'll give you the final score on that front if they uh, come through on the reimbursements. But uh, they flew our bag after finally locating it still on the East Coast. They flew it into either Portland or Seattle. It's not entirely clear yet uh, which one of those. And by that point, we were at our campsite south uh, on the Oregon coast with no cell reception and outside of the delivery radius of the Portland lost luggage department. And so we got in touch with them and they flew our little backpack again from Portland to Eugene and the Eugene delivery service managed to deliver my backpack to our campsite on Highway 101, the Pacific Coast Highway, uh, to our campsite with no cell reception. So we came back to the campsite after a day of adventuring to discover our long-lost backpack and camping gear sequestered around the backside of the tent, which was a very welcome sight indeed. And now we're all sleeping comfy. We've got double sleeping pads, we've got mountains of sleeping bags, and uh, yeah, we've got tent accommodations for 16 for a family of five, so uh, we are sleeping comfy. And uh, way to go, Alaska Airways Lost Luggage Delivery Service. Uh, it was really great work, we appreciate that, and uh, we're just holding our breath to see if you follow through on the reimbursables as you said you would. What was your favorite thing about camping last night, Isla? Uh, two. Um, doing not, not going potty. I mean, not, not, wash, not taking a bath. What's the golden bullet for camping with kids? It's this, I'll tell you. It's a spouse, in this case a wife, who just comes up big at clutch moments. I remember the one time after the earthquake in Haiti, my brother Kenneth, my wife Jill and I were there with a team of people helping with temporary housing. We were in this one village remote village. It took 23 river crossings to get there and it was a week of hot humid temperatures. Jill was running a fever almost as hot as the temperature outside. We were all working to put up this shelter through the blazing sun and one day Jill just quietly went about setting up this massive tarp shade for us all. Just a no-nonsense, logical solution in the middle of nowhere that gave us all great respite. She came through big yesterday as well. We were at our campsite and she had to do uh, what I'm going to call a bush enema. One of the kids been suffering from a little uh, constipation for a while and uh, Jill was smart enough to bring along one of those little 
pharmacy suppository laxative deals and uh, so one of the older kids and I came around the corner and uh, and there was the sand bucket strategically set up with plastic bag liner as a little squatty potty and uh, the enema was underway and the distraction was a well-told story about Elsa and Anna and when I asked the child in question uh, later on in the evening what was her favorite part of camping she said the Elsa and Anna story while mommy gave me medicine so you know your spouse is awesome when a bush enema becomes the favorite part of the camping trip so far. I guess it could also mean the camping trip is pretty terrible if that's the favorite part, but I, I'm, I'm opting to believe that it's because my wife is awesome. We watched a few episodes of Marie Kondo and we enjoyed it and you know her whole thing is you got to pick up the items in your house one at a time in your hand and ask yourself does this spark joy which is always entertaining for the two of us because the things that spark joy for us are not always the same things and I would guess that my collection of backpacking stoves are not always the things that spark joy for Jill. Is that true, Jill? True. And this surfaced a couple years ago when my sister-in-law, Allie, came over to our house uh, with instructions to borrow a backpacking stove, or the backpacking stove, and Jill pointed her to the camping gear closet and a tub with cooking supplies in it and Allie went there and started digging and found stove after stove after stove after stove and uh, she has not let me ever live this down and in my own defense I want to say that uh, some of these are artifacts they're vestigial from my youth in fact one I think dates back to 89 or so given to me by my Aunt Judy and Uncle Dave. You can thank it for its service. Yes, excellent service. But I bring all of that up as preface to saying that uh, on this trip, we brought along another artifact, which was uh, the footprint of the REI Quarter Dome T3, which is the very first tent that Jill and I owned as a married couple. In fact, it was a gift from my Aunt Beth, uh, a wedding present, right? Right. Do you remember, did she give it to us, or was it, I, I know that we registered, she, that's right, we registered uh, for various products at REI as part of our wedding registry. And uh, that was one of them, and she gave it to us, and it has been such a fabulous uh, gift, and we've used it around uh, the Torres del Paine, in uh, Patagonia and across Canada and in the Rockies and the Pacific Northwest and elsewhere. Just this past year, it finally retired. Um, it was delaminating a little bit and I took it back to REI and I said, look, we need to uh, recycle this. Do you have a recycling program? Sadly, they don't. Uh, 
for their tens, which REI, I think you, you should get one. Um, but they did suggest that we uh, pass it along to somebody else for whom the waterproofness would not be uh, so important. And we did that, but we kept the footprint. The footprint was still in good shape. And so we've been using the footprint for that little tent, which is like the ground cloth. We've been using it on this trip uh, when we go to the beaches because it's a great size. It's really light. It folds up into a large envelope and it's uh, waterproof and shakes out easily. And every time we pull it out of the car, it brings back all of those memories. Uh, memories of Aunt Beth and of camping with Aunt Beth and other relatives as a kid and uh, and memories of the various fabulous backpacking trips we've had with that tent uh, pre and post kids over the years. Uh, so I'd say for me that particular artifact sparks joy and is worth holding on to for a few years to come. We've just started out walking the Hobbit Trail that goes through, uh, looks like a spruce forest, lots of moss and greenery up and down and heads down to a beach. We're pretty excited about this Hobbit Trail because, Deck, where did you learn about the Hobbit? Uh, in John Ronald's Dragons. That's in John Ronald's Dragons. That's a book, a uh, kid's book, really good kid's book about um, the early life of J.R.R. Tolkien and uh, his development of his fascination with dragons and fantasy worlds. Uh, and the kids have enjoyed that. So they haven't read The Hobbit yet. Uh, we're currently reading C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle with them, which they are enjoying, but they are familiar with the notion of hobbits from John Ronald's Dragon. Uh, and so... They're excited to be walking the Hobbit Trail here on the Oregon coast. Isla, are you hiding from Mommy? Yeah. Why are you hiding from Mommy? Because I don't want her to see me. Where are you hiding? In this branch. In the branch? Yeah. What are you pretending to be? A monkey. Oh. Turns out the Hobbit Trail has a bunch of great hiding spots for playing hide and seek. Deck, are you hiding from Mommy? Yeah. Where are you hiding? Up here. Yeah, up there. What are you pretending to be? Uh, surprise. What is this like, Isla? Fun. Is it a tunnel? Yes. Yeah. With a cave in it. A tunnel with a cave in it. And what do you hear roaring in the distance? The sea. That's right. It's a pretty great trail, huh? The beach at the bottom of this Hobbit Trail is really breathtaking. It's got steep sandstone uh, cliffs along some parts and big dunes escaping up into the bush and the spruce forest and other parts and rocky outcroppings and uh, a little seepage spring creek coming down. It's just magical and what's so fun is to see the kids, the older two, just take off running. They'll run for hundreds of yards and we can still see him and that's just something we don't get to see too often where we live because uh, you go a few yards and you're around the corner of something and you can't see what's going on so just gives my heart a uh, real delight to see the kids take off running for the sheer glee of it there's mist rolling in off the waves but still a full sun overhead it's just 
blissful. If you ever get the chance to make it here, you should. This is the Hobbit Beach. I think one fun thing about this trip uh, and about camping with the kids in general is just seeing different aspects of their personality come out and uh, be highlighted in ways that I hadn't seen it before. Um, this particular trip, our oldest five-year-old has been totally daddy's helper the whole time. Whatever daddy's doing, he is also doing that thing. So he gets up with daddy and helps boil the water and make the coffee and tend the fire. And he's learning all sorts of things. He's really good at using the flint um, to make sparks. And he just is asking his dad questions the entire time. Um, and then our middle child loves running on the beach. She loves playing in the sand and she loves just running full steam ahead throughout the beach. And if there were our puddles, she loves to run right through them. And she is just a little beacon of joy when she's running. And our baby, even being let loose in a big family tent for the first time, he can't walk, but he could be free to scoot around and explore. And he was so happy. So just to see the different ways that they take delight in their Yay. new environment and in new tasks and learning new things and enjoying new things, things different from their everyday, uh, has been super fun for me.